0: You know, he he's so hungry. Every time he steps on the ice, it's almost like he, he you think he's gonna score. And I think that's just the mindset. He, he's got so much confidence right now. He's he's one of the best, if not the best players in the world as of right now. Um, and I mean, it's great to see he's he's driving the bus right now. And I'm super happy for him. I mean, 52 goals, however many games he's played, is it's insane. Like <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. So um, said it after the first period, I and mean, that stuff like that is what um provides a lot of energy for for the group I and mean, when you have a guy like that that's just on fire it's i mean it's contagious everyone's so excited for him and so excited to go and help him and we got a real tight group right now and, and you're seeing that so guys have stepped up when they had to i mean if we've, we've had everyone going and just got to keep building up.
1: i think you should be in the selkie conversation too frankly i mean the guy sticks
2: unbelievable he's super responsible defensively uh we go back for pucks and Um, He's always there for an out Uh, he plays a complete you know 200 foot game So I think that definitely gets overshadowed obviously with the goal scoring Jake was just saying that Austin probably deserves to be in the Selfie
1: conversation as well. Do you agree with that?
0: We do not care about those kind of awards It's irrelevant. We're worried about one thing one thing only so we'll focus on that
2: Oh, Hockey guy Fan morning morning show. Ask about about the heart. Maybe it's a touch different too (laughs) Yeah
1: fan morning show sports 590 the fan Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Max Domi jake mccabe talking about austin matthews Mm. who's not really playing on the penalty kill anymore and you kind of got to if you want to be in the silky conversation
2: yeah sure um he's been very good oh i I don't i don't say sure dismissively like i i agree i i it was like the biggest knock i had on like eric carlson winning norris's i don't know maybe kill a penalty if you want to be the best defenseman in the league if you're going to be the best defensive forward you should probably do that as well
1: yeah um And he hasn't really been doing that now, but, I mean, he had a little foray into the the four-on-five stuff. I'm not going to disparage any part of what Austin Matthews is Mm -mm. doing, okay? I'm good with that. Uh, 52 goals is stupid. Yeah. It's 77 goals that he's on pace for, and, you know, he scores multiple tomorrow night. Maybe we're – (laughs) like, once he cracks the, like, projected for 80, that's – I mean, that's another world. Like, I – and that can you rule that out? You can't.
2: Okay, so I was going to save this for later in the show, but you brought it up. I'll do it now. Uh-huh. Austin, we there are four Leaf games between now and the next time you and I do a show—not Monday, but the following Monday. If I set the goal total, not in the span—I want to be clear—and yeah, but context is important. Five
1: goals he has ten, yeah. or five last five games he has ten goals.
2: If I set the over under at fifty eight point five when we come back, what are you taking? So that okay, would be. So that's- Uh, seven in four games. I'm taking the over. Yeah. Like I was debating 57 and a half, but that felt cowardly. You said five games? Yeah. Four, four, four games. Okay. Seven and four games. Can you do it? Well, I sound like a party pooper right
1: I yeah. take the under, and I've been taking okay, the so over what, 70. What's to the this number? Point. Is it
2: like 57.5 when we come back? I don't know. That's it's all I can think about is how many goals he's going to score while I'm gone.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot because he's yeah. scored a lot already to this point in the season.
2: It's also remarkable of just the idea of the pace he's been on and what he has to do to get to 70. Like we talk about 70 mm-hmm. like it's a fade accomplishment. No, he needs
1: to have like a whole nother, like Michael Bunting season. Yep. crazier things have happened man it's nuts it's nuts (laughs) he needs to surpass like by a long margin or a big margin what tyler bertuzzi will do in goal scoring (laughs) this season he has to do that with the yeah 20 or so remaining hockey
2: games anybody can i think it's so it would be it was it was 19 and 25 games before last night so it'd be 18 and 24 is what he needs
1: Mm -hmm. it can happen Yeah, which is obviously a lesser uh, rate than he's been going on because the rate would put him at almost 80. Uh, The other thing that I thought was interesting out of that clip that we heard from Max Domi is is, Mm. it's a tight group right now. Yeah. I I don't think it's... I I think it's hard to argue the opposite. And I don't know. I'm not in that dressing room. Here's what I extrapolate from that type of comment and what I've seen over the last half dozen games is Mm that this team is becoming more tight the more everybody plays, the more everybody's a part of this. It must be tough to be a tight group when it's like, hey, we're all pulling in the same direction for one specific goal, but pretty clearly with the way some guys are deployed, some guys are more important than others. And that's still the case, but you must feel more a part of a tight group when you are rolling four lines, when you are physically contributing in a full four goal first period where the only line that doesn't score is the one that's been getting
2: all the headlines. Yeah, you're you're right. I think that that is a very important thing to point out. And we talk about that as though it's just the forward core. Look what's happened on the blue line. Like Simone Benoit, we we've been slowly building to this of him being such a, you know, a key cog in the blue line right now, but Timothy Lilligren, much more of a role. William Logerson's playing with Morgan Riley. How can you tell him he's not important L- last night? I mean, maybe he's not, but you understand what I'm saying. He's playing mm-hmm. with Moe, and I think that part of it is is really well stated because I do think the fact that everybody's got a job to do uh, allows them to feel like they're a part of it, and, and not passengers overstating it, but, man, at times, there's been some passengers on this team. All right, before we move on, uh, to our guest, I just mm.
1: I need to clarify something because Thank you. you keep doing the William Loggerson thing yeah. because Matt Sundin yeah. called him Loggerson when he was announcing the mm-hmm. starting lineup in Sweden. Now, are you doing that be, like as an homage to Matt Sundin, or do you believe that Matt Sundin has the proper pronunciation and that you're the only person in Toronto that's actually well, unless Matt's is here pronouncing his name correctly? Uh just
2: do what Matt says. Okay, that's it.
1: Right. Jan Krook. Here's 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 my guess. Is that? Mads didn't know who the hell he was, and he just, like, he kind of misread it. Wow. That's my guess. Just my guess. Man, I don't know. Sweet, sweet on sweet crime. There. I mean, there's no R. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't Anyways. All right. This Insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. Damian Cox, Toronto Star contributor, our Leafs historian, co-author of Revival, The Chaotic, Colorful Journey. Of The 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs, along with uh, our very own Gord Stellick, who joins the show quite often, uh, Damo, and you know, we asked him about you the last time we had him on, and, uh, you know, it wasn't all that complimentary of you. I don't know if you if you, you have, a, like, a bit of jealousy that we call Damian Cox our Leafs historian. Like, do you want to be on that level? Do you want to be our, one of our Leafs historians? Do you want to be co-historian?
3: Oh, Damian can't remember anything. <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, you can, uh, our dog blue would be better than Damien as far as historian goes, whatever. Just, you know, I'm not uh, questioning Damien's hockey knowledge and all that, but we'll talk about stuff and I have to jog his memory about things. So I got Damien's ass kicked. No problem. I mean, give me something better than that. All right, Damien balls in your court. Well, I just want to know, when did you find, like I find it impossible to find Gore awake anytime time during the day, so how did you manage to get him during his waking hours, which from what I can tell are about an hour and a half every day, and he also just got back, you know, he doesn't work much, right? He, you know, I don't work much, but he doesn't work at all, and he just got back from this cruise of, of, the, of like the Caribbean. Really? And stuff. So he's, li- he's living the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Let's be honest if Matt Sundeton didn't know who William Loggins is, I'm not even sure Gord Stellick knows who I am. He, <laughs> lives on this, he lives on this whole entire different level than the rest of us. And I don't know how he does it, but, uh, congratulations you guys are for finding him during his waking hours
2: yeah we have a little button it just kind of tases him awake and he just starts talking yeah. to, he, he just begins opining on the Leafs, and then we pot him up wherever yeah. in the world he is yeah it's well, not-
3: it, it, the thing is he always starts up from the same place and he says well at episode nine when when Danny partridge goes in <laughs> and he says to Shirley Jones like everything relates to the partridge family right and so if you can huh. if you can get him on the right line with if something that that happened uh, with David Cassidy or Suzanne Day or you know, the stars <laughs> of that famous show, you're going to be able to find a way to communicate with them.
1: Mm. Yeah, he should be our, our television historian then, maybe like old. Did, tel- I, did
3: I mention there all the respect I have for Gord Stellick? Did I did I preface that? I should have said no. with all due respect. Yeah. That's what I should.
1: have. Oh said. yeah, you're allowed to say anything as long as you preface it with, with all due respect. <laughs> and let's not rip people going on cruises, okay? I'm about to go on one this weekend. Okay? Oh, Man. where are <laughs> you going? Where are you going? I honestly have no idea where the the boat stops. I I'm I just know I'm supposed to get on one on on Sunday and then you know it it goes to somewhere sunny. So fingers crossed. I am I'm. I'm a little little bummed that next week the forecast here – is actually great. I kind of wanted you guys to suffer while I was in s- uh, sunny climbs. But we're we're both oh, uh. on
2: vacation and we he, uh, not we, together. No, we're not going together. <laughs> God, that'd be terrible. But that'd be adorable. Eh, I have different words for it. And I think <laughs> both of our spouses would as well. But uh, the I just I'm with Ben there that it's not uh, everyone goes on vacation and they look at the weather that they're going to get. I have not been doing that. I've only been looking at the 10 degrees that's supposed to be on Wednesday next week and been mm-hmm. kind of blood curdlingly mad. That it's not colder, so I hope I hope for your sake, Demo, it gets cold. Yeah. Uh,
3: well, I'm I'm, he- I'm here in Boston, Massachusetts this week, yeah. and the, and the guys I know, uh, Kevin Paul Dupont, he's in uh, Alberta, Edmonton, etc. with the uh, with the Boston Bruins, freezing his butt off. I sent him a note talking about how beautiful it's been all week in in Boston. <laughs> It wasn't nice, like what he said back. Like, it wasn't <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> That's rough. Uh, all right, let's talk about this Leafs team who, who are, uh, I was going to call them a juggernaut. and That's happened in the city, and they've immediately gone in the tank. So maybe we shouldn't do that. But they, they look pretty darn good in these six games against, okay, not the, the greatest teams in the world for the last five. And, yes, the Vegas Golden Knights are a little bit diminished from the, the version that won the Stanley Cup last spring and summer. But... Are we watching just a hot run for this Leafs team or or is something else happening here?
3: No, I mean, it's it's a hot run, right? And we've talked about this all year. And you know I repeat the same things over. Not as much as Gord, but I repeat the same things over and over again. And it's a league of streaks, right? So early in the year, remember, L.A. Kings, they were tearing it up. And Vancouver was tearing it up. Winnipeg, remember when they were first overall? Well, now it's Toronto's turn. Now, did we see this coming with the circumstances? Morgan rowdy's suspension, some other injuries on the back end. Probably nobody really did, but, but right now it's their turn, I guess. They're having their streak. And the crazy thing is you look at the league now and nobody's playing over 700 hockey anymore. The Leafs are suddenly within eight points of first overall with a couple of games in hand. And you you start to understand how closely bunched together the league is and how little difference there is between you know the middle and the top. There just isn't that much. It's who's hot at the moment. And Vegas was hot earlier in this year. And St. Louis was hot until they dropped two to the Leafs. I mean, it's just that the nature of the game, you ride out your streak when you get one. The Leaf fans have been waiting for a streak all year. Well, this is it.
2: Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned that because that's, that's a pretty similar point to, to what I made earlier in the show, that the idea of I don't know that I feel differently about the Leafs in terms of their ability to be a cup contender because of the streak. Obviously, it's great to see and it you know emboldens beliefs you may or may not have had, but it's just the nature of the NHL. It's always been a pretty kind of parody-soaked league and it feels even more so now. Having said all that, do you look at tomorrow night and say, boy, this is a measuring stick game? If in a league where maybe there are a few of them and there are maybe, I don't know, you can make the argument there are fewer great teams or everybody's way closer to each other. Do you look at tomorrow as a kind of quote unquote measuring stick game or what do you what do you take out of it, I guess?
3: Well, first of all, I would argue there are no great teams in the NHL anymore. It's just not yeah. possible. With, I don't with think the great. Yeah, No, there just aren't. There are uh, very good teams every year, and the Leafs have been one of them during the regular season the last number of years. Um, do I view it as a measuring stick? Not really. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I think what we're into now is the period two weeks before the trading deadline, and I think, you know, if you looked at the Leafs uh, 10 days ago and said they desperately need to get Chris Tannum or Noah Hannafin or they need to get help, now you're going, well... Maybe they don't. And, and I think the really interesting thing that's happened over the last six games is that you've got now some internal competition. Mm-hmm. Noah Greger can't get in the lineup. Yeah. All of a sudden, he can't get in the lineup. And, um, and some, some shifts in the way guys are being used. John Tavares, and Max Domi. All of a sudden, Domi's getting a little bit more. You know, last night they played almost identical minutes. Mm -hmm. And even on defense, Riley comes back last night, but Lilligren and Brody still play more than he does. Um, So I think you're starting to see some shifts in responsibility, in ice time, and in competition. You know, guys want to play. And... Other than the three guys at the top who are... I mean, I don't know if you guys have looked at the scoring list, but all of a sudden, the Leafs have three guys in the top 11. Yeah. Mitch Martin has just gone berserko, right? Uh, and, and so has Matthews. And, um, so those guys, they do whatever they do, and then everybody else fights for ice time after them. And right now, the mix is good. I mean, you know, Max Lajoie comes in and looks like a good hockey player. Um, so do I do it as a measuring stick? I mean... You know, Colorado's a good team, but I thought last night was a measuring stick because if they were going to give one up during this, Mm-hmm. Street. That was the one. Back to back. You got to travel. Riley's coming back. You know, you, you know they've proven going 5-0 and in his absence, you know, that they did something. Maybe they step back. Instead, it's 4 nothing in the first period before you know it, and away they go.
1: Yeah, and you have to do this when you talk about the, the team's play without Morgan Riley. Obviously, they're better with Morgan Riley, and obviously, Morgan Riley's a good hockey player, but yeah, it's something weird was happening the last two seasons when they were 19-2-1 without Morgan Riley. Uh, Morgan Riley was averaging 24 minutes a game before the 5 game suspension. He played the fifth most minutes on the blue line yesterday. And maybe it's just a, you know, getting his feet wet and getting back into the mix here. I wonder, listen, Morgan Riley is good and the team is better with him and he's important to the Maple Leafs. But how important is Morgan Riley to the Toronto Maple Leafs, Damian?
3: Hugely important. And and I and I, look, I think this five, part of this 6 game uh, uh, winning streak is what happened with Morgan Riley at the end of that game in Ottawa. That clicked something within this roster. Now, maybe it was, we don't have them, so we got to play better, Other guys play more, whatever. But maybe that brought a little bit of, Unity to the group, I don't know. I mean, they know inside their dressing room what's going on. But, you know, since then, you've got other guys playing more. Ryan Reeves played 12 minutes, 40 seconds last night. He's all of a sudden, yeah, he's all of a sudden not looking like he's hurting the team out there every time he plays. So, I think Morgan Riley is probably the... You know, you got the three big guns and the goalies, and then it's Morgan Riley, right? Uh, I I think he's that guy, and people will see that by the end of the year. Um, But I do think uh, giving Timothy Lilgren more ice time and a chance to, you know, on the power play. Power play's gone over 42% in the last six games. Uh, You know, I I think that's helped. And Jake McCabe as well. So now this is the nuances of, of coaching. You know, Sheldon Keefe, who you don't hear me talking about that he should be replaced today, do you? I mean, now he's got to figure out, okay, now how do I get those guys keep going what they were doing and get Morgan Riley back to the level he was playing less, earlier in the year when he was by far and away the best elite defenseman? And that's the trick for coachings.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that go into making a great coach. And right now for Sheldon Keefe, his, his challenge is kind of putting the puzzle pieces together. Uh, I wonder how much that challenge will change depending on what this run has done to the GM's opinion of the team. Do you think that this will kind of alter... The perspective of Treliving Living at the deadline. I mean, the thing I keep coming back to is, and I don't say this is a knock on Chris Tanev, but I just look at the lack of true difference makers out there on the trade market. And I think Tanev is a very nice player, and he would help anybody who who he goes to in the playoffs. But I don't know that he tilts a series or tilts a couple games for you. How how much do you think this run should change Treliving's Living's kind of opinion on on how he approaches the deadline?
3: Well, it's like Lula Morello always said, right? You make a five-year plan and then you adjust it every day. Uh, and I think that's the nature of, a, of an NHL season. You make a plan, you start the season, and because there's so few moves now from October right through till the trade deadline, you're evaluating all year. And, and injuries come into it. Look at Vegas now with Mark Stone out. They have, all have to all of a sudden say, do we have to make a move? The lease may get an injury before the trade deadline. So I think you're evaluating every single day. I do wonder if, I mean, Mitch Martin, let's say, has really made the case uh, over the past couple of weeks that of course you re-sign him, and of course you go forward with him and Nylander and Matthews making all the money. Um, and therefore, they're going to need young, affordable players as the years go by. And therefore, you're thinking maybe we, you don't trade away your first-round Draft pick. Maybe you don't trade away Easton Cowan, um, you know, because you don't. You're going to need those guys down the road, and those are the measurements that Brad Trilliving uh, has to make. So I just don't think there's a big move out there. Do you guys? I mean, there could be somebody, you know, drop Cream. Maybe, maybe Ottawa turns around and says we're going to trade Brady Kachuk because we're we're so bad again. Or Buffalo's going to turn around and say we can't believe we're so bad again uh, and trade one of their young guys. These things could all happen, but I don't think so.
2: Yeah. No, the closest thing, and I, I am the biggest believer in not believing in goalies, but if you do, I think Markstrom is the closest thing that would really make a difference for this team. And, you know, I think the, it's more to do with what the Leafs' goaltending is in terms of question marks than what Markstrom is for me, but I think that's the only guy. But I am the world's most hesitant person to place any chips, forget all the chips in on a goalie.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean,.
2: Are, are you convinced that Markstrom would be better than Sam? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that, <laughs> that I think if you're looking for the guy who most likely mm-hmm. would do that, and again, I don't think it's overtly likely, but I think of all the yeah. names available, like even a Hannifin, if he just shot right handed, we'd be having a very different conversation about this. But mm. even him, does he does he tilt a playoff series? I don't I don't know that he does and and is that the type of guy you should be going in for. So yeah, I'm I'm mostly with you there, Derek.
3: Yeah, and, and look, I mean, you, the, any move they make, you you don't know exactly how guys are going to respond mm-hmm. um, in different situations. You don't. Who knew that Sergei Bobrovsky was going to tilt a playoff series two uh, last last spring, right? <laughs> but right, right now, you're you're looking at you're you're going to play Florida or Boston in the first round again. It looks like so that's going to be, you know, a really tough test, and that's why this this argument about well, nothing matters to the playoffs, well. Let's stop right now, then, in mid-February and say, <laughs> would you favor the Leafs to beat Boston? Would you favor the Leafs to beat Florida? And if they can't, uh-huh. would you then say, oh, well, the team's no good? No, because those are good teams. Mm-hmm. So if you can add one guy, you know, for that matchup, maybe you need a slightly different guy to play Florida than you do against Boston. But, you know, there's a way to, ways to go. They'll do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, they always do something. Um, but it's unlikely to be a big impact move.
1: Um, we got a lot of people relying on them to do something. Okay, there's a big uh, hockey media ecosystem <laughs> that survives around trade deadline, so they—they'd
2: oh better be doing counterpoint something. though. Um, more Colby if there's less trades. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. we want less trades. I don't know. Yeah. And
3: we all want—we all want more Colby, yeah. just like we all want more Gortelic, Gort right? Yeah. We all want
1: more. <laughs> we want more Damian Cox. Damian, before I let you go, okay. We're gonna be golfing outdoors in Ontario in March this year.
3: Oh yeah, well, you know what? I think uh, last year I was on the course in very early April. But right now it looks it looks exciting. So uh, fingers crossed, yep. fingers crossed, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, you know we'll put our we'll put aside our concerns about climate change mm. and hope for an early spring.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one for the next generation.
2: But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it allows us to get out of the golf course in March. So okay, <laughs> hard to complain too much. Look, guys, pros and cons to everything. Okay, yeah. nothing's perfect. Yep,
1: yep, yep, yep. Uh, Damian, so you all... guys, you guys have set me up for the day with your philosophy. That's beautiful. <laughs> (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Talk again soon. Hey, guys. Okay. There's Damian Cox, Toronto Star contributor, our Leafs historian, author of uh, Revival The Chaotic, Colorful Journey of the 1977 78 Toronto Maple Leafs, and our insider Mm. brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So, Mm. Sheldon Keefe, I think, has done a tremendous job over the six game span. It's obviously mostly on the players, that's any sport, right? Right. Like, the players that play the game, and Austin Matthews scoring multiple goals in every single game and having 10 over the last five, yeah, yeah, he's pretty responsible, too. God, you look so
2: smart when he does that.
1: Yeah, but the coach is there organizing what has now been a successful melange of uh, the 20 players, 18 skaters, with the breaking up of William Nylander and John Mm -hmm. Navarro, and part of it was just out of necessity, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he's been without some of his most important players over this span, part of it is, hey, oh, that's interesting. That seems to be working. Let's stick with that. And Morgan Riley, this team's most important defenseman, plays the fifth most minutes yesterday, and he sticks with Timothy Lilligren with TJ Brody, Mm -hmm. and it seems to be working, and this team feels very cohesive. Now... And it's so difficult for a team with preseason Stanley Cup aspirations
2: to have the coach of the year. I knew this was, as, as you were building. I was thinking this is where we were going.
1: It's and it's a, it's a darn shame. And boy, Rick talk I mean, if, if the if the Canucks continue what they were doing before the four game losing streak in which like they're giving up 10 goals to the Minnesota Wilds and stuff like the wheels, they, they may be coming off yeah. a little bit.
2: Maybe Rick Tocket is to the Jack Adams what the Kings are to the Stanley Cup right now. <laughs>
1: um, he's probably still your your favorite to win, and Rick Bonus is in there, and Chris Knoblock. I mean, boy, look at the, the Oilers' record without our, or since he arrived there when mm-hmm. they were losing to the Sharks, like the the nascent days of this, this season. <laughs> but my goodness, can can Sheldon Keith get some credit considering also the way he's had to navigate? does a hand up the media landscape of like every other day for a couple of weeks, yep.
2: someone new coming to the airwaves and saying this guy needs to be fired. Even even us saying he shouldn't be fired, but having to broach the topic every <laughs> single day and ending up with I he didn't say not. he shouldn't have oh, been fired. Okay. I did. Sorry. I said I he did a good to, job, but he could drag, have been fired. I keep trying to drag you into he no, shouldn't no, no. have been fired land. with.
1: Me. No, no, I was like, hey, you can't make a move, so you just fire the coach because this team stinks. <laughs> um, yeah, he's done a good job, but and yeah, okay. I'll stand by that. Yeah. But you've had to deal with that. You've had, I mean, to say the goaltending situation was questionable Mm -hmm. is, is like, is, is quite a glowing uh, evaluation of the situation he had when his number one goalie Mm -hmm. was out, with injury, I guess we were going to consider Joe Wall as number one goalie. And the guy that was his best goalie a season ago was a shell of his former self and not in the National Hockey League. So he had to rely on an aged goalie who had a sub-900 save percentage for the last, like, three seasons. Mm-hmm. And he's navigated all that. Yep. And he's navigated suspensions and flu bugs. Mm-hmm. And here this team is. Now, I would say for him to get legitimate consideration, like, what if the Leafs win the Atlantic Division, mm. considering all the things I said. What if the Leafs, they pass the Panthers, yep. pass the Bruins, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. That's not an outrageous thing to have happened here yep. the last couple of months of the season. Does that enter Sheldon Keefe into the Jack
2: Adams conversation? I think one man's holding them back, and it's the man he has to thank for the wonderful season he's he's been a part of, and it. it's Austin Matthews. If, if he scores 70 <laughs> goals, we're going to give him the credit for the season. And I... I think the the biggest point you made in all this that is that should carry the most weight, and it never will, is that Sheldon Keefe's job is three hundred thousand times harder than every other coach in the world. Correct. It's not even remotely close, and that's why he should. The parts way, of it are the way Connor. You're right. Sure, sure. Parts of it are easier he also has, because the resources yes. and all of that, but the spotlight and every every decision he made being under a microscope. And I'm sure some people would say, hold on, how come Knobloch could win it if they have McDavid? Well, McDavid's having a regular season mm-hmm. for him. And, hey. Oh, I mean, only leading the NHL in assists, that's yeah, all. Yeah, well, but that's par for the course. He's not <laughs> supposed to lead the NHL in assists by five. He's supposed to lead it by 25 and yeah. 30 when it's all said and done. So, for him, it's a pedestrian human season. And, hey. Maybe we look back on five years and 70 goals. as just a pedestrian human season for Austin Matthews. Mm. I'd love to live in that world. I don't know that we will. I think that Matthews is actually going to be the thing that holds Keith back the most. Stop scoring, Austin Matthews. If no, no, I, Keep his I, Jack Adams Award. I gotta be honest. I would prefer <laughs> a rocket seventy and a heart for Matthews. Sorry, Sheldon. Yeah, because the thing is, is like it, it, does feel like he can never win it. The team's always going to no. be too, the the world where he wins it is when Austin Matthews is like thirty five years no, old and it's a shell yeah. of a team around Mike him. Mike Babcock
1: and, had the best chance to win it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And those days are gone by. Yep. It's over. That's you can't. Right. You can't be a, a contender. Although I've seen like Jared Bednar in like the top
2: five, which again it's like, oh yeah, his job's so hard. I'm gonna ask four questions a week and roll Nathan McKinnon out there. Looks every good
1: other day. in a suit. I was gonna say Handsome. also, you know, yep. but You know, what underrated Sheldon Keefe's hair. Oh, okay. Really think he does a good job with the salad. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. Perfect amount of salt and pepper, and then just styled in a nice way. I if think.
2: we're doing coach looks, I I, I was just taken aback. Like Bruce Cassidy, he just like mm-hmm. looks good in a suit. Handsome mm-hmm. man don't like it, eh? Yeah, no, it's oh. good. But uh, like comparing him to
1: Jared Bednar, I, f- I feel like mm. th- that's a tough one. All hey, right. Right. We'll
2: ask Buchla who the hottest NHL head coach is. I'm sure he'd love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if he's listening, probably not going to pick up the I was phone say,
2: No, I I promise we have hockey questions <laughs> for you, Jason, if you're on the line. I
1: promise. All right, Jason sports Sportsnet Hockey Analyst. Next is The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays,
4: and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Fan Morning Show Sportsnet 5 Night of the Fan. Ben and Brent Gunning. Leafs trying to run their winning streak to a season-high seven games tomorrow night on Hockey Night in Canada. I, don't, I haven't heard much out of uh, Denver Uh, as far as them playing at, what, 5 o'clock mountain time Mm -hmm. on hockey night in Canada, I think they're probably fine with it. I don't know what time they normally play on Saturday, so it's not like a Canucks thing where they're used to 7 o'clock Pacific time. I feel
2: like they're like a 9 o'clock start team unless they're playing another Canadian team when they're like, yeah, we'll do 10, actually, because that's better for us. Guess what? You're Mm the Avs. uh, You're a great team. Mm -hmm. But as far as markets, we know where you fit in.
1: Uh, We'll see. Uh, I think it is a measuring stick game. Uh, I know you just got the champs, but diminished version of them, but they... uh, Laid the lumber to him, up 4 nothing after 20 minutes and scoring seven goals in a 7-3 victory yesterday. Let's talk to Jason Bukala, Sportsnet Hockey Analyst. How's it going, Jason? Good morning, fellas. Doing well. Measuring stick game for sure. I was pretty impressed with... Yeah, last night was. And it's been impressive over these six games and only one now with Morgan Riley to, to see how spread out the offense has been at times or just how how capable the, the top three lines look and that it doesn't feel like a one-line team, especially yesterday, where they score four goals in the first period, and it's the Matthews line, the only one with uh, without one of those goals. Is that sustainable? Have the, have the Leafs tapped into something here as far as having three capable lines?
4: Good question. Not sure if it's completely sustainable, but it gives us an opportunity to take pause and at least say that it's there, which is really good, um, especially leading towards trade deadline. I mean, we all know that this has been a top-heavy lineup for, well, Quite a while offensively, and even Tavares has struggled to, to produce offensive even strength. He scored last night, which was nice to see. Um, but this is important, and uh, you know they. What really impressed me was the fact that the the on back to backs the way that uh, you know coming in to, to Vegas after Arizona, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know the pace of the bottom portion of the lineup like the contribution and the way they played the game, like don't leave a shot out of a cannon and he's going to be like that. He's going to be streaky at times and he's going to have that look and let's hope there's more of that on the horizon, right? Like we need more of that. Um, Sustainable, hopefully. Uh, Do we know it's there a little bit more now? Yes. Uh, Let's try and find some line combinations that have continuity and run it for a while.
2: Yeah, I think it's always been a a talking point here is how long anything ever sticks together on... I mean, you know, a lot of teams are are throwing lines in the blender. Sheldon Keefe's a little more want to do it than most. You know, obviously you wouldn't break up the Matthews and Marner combo the way they're going right now. But I think a lot of people would say... In a world where the Leafs are spreading out the talent and Tavares is by himself and one of the wingers is driving a line and then Matthews gets one of the other wingers, I think people would have expected Marner to be the guy kind of tabbed to drive that line. Do you think it's part and parcel of the growth we've seen out of Nylander that he can, and you know, I don't want to overstate, he's not doing it by himself. Max Domi and Bertuzzi, competent, very competent players. I've liked what they've given him, but are you surprised that it's been Nylander that's been asked to kind of drive the line by himself from a wing standpoint as opposed to Marner?
4: Yeah, a little bit, to be honest with you. And, and you know, what I, I also have to be perfectly transparent, and there's still ebbs and flows to Willie's game, and there's always going to be like that. Like, we, he is what he is, right? So, um, obviously, when he's going, it's super, super elite. But there were some moments early in the Arizona game especially that I thought he was pretty average, maybe average plus. Um, but, listen, when he's going and he's, he's pushing himself um, not surprised really because he is capable of it, right? He's he's a centerman between the ears who's playing the wing. I mean, if he was a little bit more responsible uh, all the time in all three zones, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't see him on the wing. I think that uh, you know that early season experiment kind of came and went. But um, yeah, listen. Him driving play uh, at any moment on any line is a good thing, and, and I'm, on, I'm on board with that if he's going
1: 100%. All right, let's 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 get to the content creation that you have uh, out on sportsnet.ca right now, and I, I love it. Uh, looking at the goalie trade market and cost of acquisition, <laughs> and yeah, Jason, you knew you we were going to bring up the hypothetical trade, and you you preface it by saying you're not in the rumor business, and this is just a hypothetical and what the cost of doing business would be, but you have Jacob Markstrom going to the Maple Leafs And uh, a 2024 six-round pick from the Flames. And to Calgary, Ilya Samsonov, Toby uh, Niemela, uh, the 2024 first-rounder from the Leafs. And a 2024 third-round pick, which uh, is uh, initially the Islanders, with the Flames retaining 50% of Markstrom's Contract. I, I I get it. It's it's an exercise. We're just like we're just spitballing here. Just a couple of guys chopping it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> how it's realistic? A few beers and some chicken wings. <laughs> just hanging out here. Yeah. How, no one's listening. <laughs> how realistic a, a scenario do you think that is? You know what? I think honestly, I think
4: that they, I think they're doing their due diligence, Toronto. Um, you know, in regard to something like this. You know, is it realistic? You know, am I gonna? I'm not gonna sell sell the farm on it. There's, there's no question. But you know, I don't full transparency, guys. Like, you know, what's going to happen with Wall when he comes back? Not sure. High ankle sprains are are awful injuries, and and when you're going up and down and putting the type of stress on your extremities the way the goalies do in this league, I mean, I'm I'm concerned there, right? And yeah, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that I'm all in on trusting uh, Samsonov either. So. I mean, Calgary, they, they keep kind of hanging around. They had a big win last night. I still think they're going to, you know, sell off some pieces and a retool. It gives them an opportunity to clear out um, room for goaltending on their end because they've got Dustin Wolf coming and they've got Bladar there already. So that kind of fits there. And, you know, there's a relationship there with, with Tree already, with Markey. And, and I think he would wave to come to Toronto. So is it realistic? You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's 100% realistic. Would I investigate it? Why not? 100%. It would be a huge upgrade uh, for Toronto. And the cost of acquisition um, is what it is. Uh, you know, the, the third rounder is because of the salary retention. That's That's why that ended up being the third rounder in there.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that, man. That certainly got a lot of uh, people uh, popping their eyeballs up as a, as a, something to to wonder about. How much of the Leafs potentially looking into and kicking tires on Markstrom is about? Yes, what you said about Wall's injury history, and I, I'm right there with you. If if we did go out on a limb on Samsonov, it's like a it's like a willow limb. It's weepy. I don't feel like it can hold <laughs> us up. I'm not overly confident in it. How much of it is just that there's the lack of a true difference maker? elsewhere in the market I mean maybe if Noah Hannafin was right-handed you'd feel differently about it I don't know maybe you'll tell me Chris Tanev is that guy and he's a true difference maker but I look at it and if the Leafs are going to kick tires on Markstrom it's because that is the guy again like Chris Tanev he's a market improvement on William Lagerson but or you know whoever the six D is going to be for the Leafs but I think the gap or the improvement you can make in goaltending is still where the biggest possibility for improvement lies with this team
3: I've earned the,
4: the defense has earned more of my trust. Like Benoit has gone, he's been way better. I think we both. I think we talked about it, the, the three of us, early in the season. Like Benoit is a seven, yeah. um, and he's still he is still kind of a seven on a, on a really true contending. But listen, he's punched way above his his playing weight. He's done a really good job. His skating's always going to be average, but he's been you know he's been capable. Lodgison's come in, did some nice things. Refi is is interesting to me because he's an excellent skater. Listen, mm-hmm. he's an eight, so I don't want to get carried away here, okay? Mm-hmm. But what I'm t- trying to tell you is that my trust in what I know today, even with Samsonov playing better between the pipes, still in the pit of my stomach, I'm waiting for those days. And I feel like on balance, the defense has earned a little bit more of my trust. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Would I like a Tanya? Yeah, for sure. But part of my exercise with the goaltending was like, geez, you know, if you could pull this off, does does Markey like if you watch him last night, anybody had stayed up late, Mm -hmm. you know, he he basically stole the second period and kept Calgary uh, moving forward in a game against a high octane team in in Boston on the road and who was on the road. And, uh, you know, I don't know, guys. It just feels like my trust. I, I threw my trust into the marquee pool. I'll put it to you
1: that way. Mm. Who do you trust more, though? If you're going into the, the goaltending market, and UC Saros is, is available as well, mm-hmm. who's, who's not under contract for three more seasons, like, uh, or two more beyond this. Uh, like uh, Mark from his, I believe he's only got one more year on his deal, although it's a slightly uh, smaller cap hit at $5 bucks. Like if, if you had your druthers, like, would, would you be choosing Markstrom over, over Saros? Either or, to be honest. The yeah.
4: cost of acquisition on Saros is going to be less, uh, one year left, uh, you know, less term. Um, totally different goalies, as you guys know. You know, Saros is a smaller uh, athletic kind of a guy where Marky's athletic, but he's a huge body in the net. So, um, but either either or. I mean, I, I went Marky first, but honestly, with this exercise, Saros would have been next in line, if you will. Um, so, yeah, no, you know... Either way, it would be an upgrade. And I'm curious to know if we get three or four more real big saves at the hardest time of year, if that pushes us to the second round. And, uh, you know, maybe beyond, we'll see.
2: Yeah, it's certainly been a a topic before not last year against Tampa, but just about every other year. Uh, It certainly has been been a topic at this time of year. You mentioned the blue line earning more of your trust. Uh, Somebody who has had a lot of trust in this market and maybe lost it a little bit. I won't say as of late, but kind of going back to the start of this season and even the playoffs last year, but seems to be kind of returning to form, if you will, is TJ Brody. You know, I think all of us have kind of simplified it to say, yeah, he's back on the left side that allows him to play a more confident game. What are you seeing out of him throughout the kind of Riley absence and, and into last night's game and do you think it is just as simple as he's playing on not the right side but the correct side for him
4: yeah you know what possibly I mean his comfort level certainly looks really good right now um, one of the things that is curious to me when when somebody who logs the amount of ice time that Riley logs uh, when they go out of the lineup it's interesting to me to see the guys like Brody who's obviously a veteran player we know that but it's interesting to see how he manages the game and how his pace and, and everything just kind of all came together to be arguably some of his best hockey in the last couple of weeks. Um, is it, again, you know, you used the word sustainable before. I really do hope so. I like the way better on the left side. He looks more comfortable. His routes and the way that he contains people like it's it doesn't Like, this is scout speak. I don't want to bore you, but, you know, your pivots are different. How
2: dare you, Jason? Never bore
4: us. (laughs) Your your pivots are different. Everything's different. Your body positioning, your angling, everything. So let's not discount, you know, having a veteran guy play on his strong-suited side and uh, how his game management uh, goes to another level. So, again, I'd find a way to keep him there. That would be my vote. And uh, and let's hope that uh, this is sustainable.
1: So... Easton Cowan is a guy that's uh, certainly in, in the hearts of many Leaf fans risen up the uh, pecking order as far as how how valuable they view him. How has his actual value risen with the season he's having with the London Knights here? And I, I don't know if there is necessarily somebody that you can even have a hypothetical conversation about giving him up for, but like, how untradable is Easton Cowan right now?
4: Well... That so that scares me that that statement there. And the only reason I, t- I say that is because I don't think you can ever fall too much in love with your prospects. Uh, I really believe that. I mean, unless they're like the connoisseurs of the world, but let's get real here. But, um, what was he a prospect cat- for?
2: Eight seconds?
4: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, he's, he's not even a prospect. You're right. You're right. Just, just go right on the top line, kid. Carry the franchise, fill the building. Just do that.
2: That's all. Um,
4: Cowan has been on an absolute. This isn't just this year. This is going back to the second half of last year. His momentum going into the draft was excellent. So he's been on the heater for a year, let's call it. So this is a type of player. Um, I don't want to say, you know, Darcy Tuckerish or anything like that, but you just more off, oh. more often. No, but I mean, comparison wise, <laughs> like you know, that total rat type yeah. of uh, approach. But he can have that type of impact in the future is what I'm saying. Like in today's game, like the game was different when Tucker played, but you understand what I'm saying in today's game, he can have that kind of impact. And so that makes him, you know, a huge need, like a massive need. Is he untradeable? Absolutely not. Like, uh, you know, I guess if if something landed on your plate that was, uh, you know, Markstrom, I mean, he'd be in that conversation. They, they would ask for Colin, no, no question about it. The problem, guys, of course, is we lack draft capital. We lack a lot of organizational depth. So if you're really thinking about, you know, uh, way down the road, then then you don't do it. But, hey, I love the player, but... uh Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, I
2: guess. You could have said he was Gretzky-ish, and it would have resulted in lower <laughs> expectations in this market. Now he might. has to be that. I'm sorry, you did uh, it to the kid, Jason. I know.
4: I'm so sorry to our <laughs> listeners. My wheels, my wheels are literally spinning right now. I wish you know, when something comes out of your mouth, I'm like, oh for
2: no, God please God don't. Shit. Yeah, yeah. As a guy <laughs> who I... talks for three hours every day, starting at mm. six in the morning after getting up just before four <laughs> o'clock, I, I might be a touch, a touch mm. familiar with that, uh, Jason. Mm. I kind of want to throw one at you it's a little off the wall but if i can if i can do this with anybody i can do it with you uh we're a ways away from team canada conversations but the second the tournament got announced everyone started putting together their mock rosters and morgan riley and correct me if i'm wrong it feels like he has always been termed as a fringe team canada d-man maybe he's on your team maybe he's not and again maybe i'm just it's the people's whose list i looked at seems like josh morrissey is kind of considered lockish for that and in my mind's eye they're kind of the same guy. Just one of them plays in the microscope of Winnipeg and is a little younger. And one of them plays in the microscope of Toronto. How do you kind of compare and contrast or, or rate the player that, that Morgan Riley is compared to Josh Morrissey? Because I hear a lot of good things about Josh Morrissey. And I think part of it is just the, the kind of, you know, the market he operates in, quite frankly, that we don't pick over the warts as much. How do you kind of look at those two players in comparison to one another?
4: I think that's a fascinating comparison. I and mean, really, the age is is the big difference. But the other yep. thing is, uh, Morrissey has sneaky bite to his game, guys. Where you know it's not an all the time thing, but you know it's a it's a more than sometimes thing. So he'll sneak up on people more physically in the neutral zone and gap up, and he'll blow a guy up. Riley very rarely does that, you know, per se. Um, But when you're making out these rosters, uh, you know, Morrissey's more of a shooter, I would say, on the power play as well. He can actually rip a puck, um, and Riley's more of a distributor on the power play. So I don't know. I'd be splitting hairs on that, (laughs) And and I guess that's what the point is, isn't it? Like Riley's always that guy who's on the fringe, but if the conversation's about Josh Morrissey, I'm a huge fan um, obviously, his offense went to, uh, to a whole new level last year. He's a big part of the success that Winnipeg's having, although they've hit uh, you know, a few uh, speed bumps here recently. Um, but uh, I would say on balance, the other thing he does, probably a little bit better. He's a little quicker to space than Riley
1: is. Mm. Uh, Jason, uh, I loved uh, the article on Sportsnet.ca. Really enjoyed uh, the last segment with you as well. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Sorry about bringing up the Tucker mm. thing, everybody. Sorry about that. Did but, you also uh, write the Wendell Clarkson headline? <laughs> David Clarkson was playing I here. Like, I might as well just throw them
4: all out there, Dougie G. Let's just get it all <laughs> out on the table at one time. Uh, yeah. Have
1: you. a great weekend, guys. Yeah, you too. See you, Jason. Jason Bukola, Sportsnet Hockey Analyst. It's so funny that in this market we're so – like. Anybody that compares anybody to, you know, an era of Leafs teams that didn't win like a million Stanley Cups, by which I mean they never made a cup final.
2: Yeah, but they basically did as (laughs) far as what we've
1: seen since. Considering the bar, yeah. And just how likable they were and like playing a style of hockey that it's been a while since we've seen that. Yeah. But yeah, how close to the surface, like your nerve endings are when somebody says... Something like comparing a player to Darcy Tucker, who I think is the number one. He and, and Doug Gilmore, mm-hmm. I guess, the embodiment. Of and course. And Wendell Clark, a slightly different timeline. But yeah, those guys.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's it's everything that you want to see in this market. And like a half joke, but I don't. That, that is as high of a bar as you can put on a player is go be that guy. And, you know, Domi, I think, is actually a perfect kind of guy to point to with it because... He had two goals last night, and we spent a lot of time talking about that today. Mm -hmm. But all the conversations I've had with buddies about this team, with Max Domi, is you love how feisty he is. And it's just, like, it's great to have a Domi Mm -hmm. being mad and looking angry and doing the hair thing to Sam Bennett. And all of that stuff has been so sorely missed, and it's so nice to see.
1: Yeah, it'll be nice to see in the postseason. Hopefully, they don't let it get too far away from themselves and take suspensions. Um, We're going on vacation next week. Mm -hmm. Again, not together. Nope. Separate vacations, separate, separate vacations, different dealios. Yeah. So, be uh, Danielle Franceschi and Matt Marchese, I believe, hosting the show next week. And right. you know, Austin Matthews will be at 70 goals probably when we return.
2: You better not. And Trillivan can't make a trade till we're back, also. Sorry, those a yeah. Uh,
1: have a great vacation. Same buddy. to you. All right, uh, have a great weekend to everybody. We'll be back in a couple weeks. It's been the fan morning show. Ben Ennis, Frank Gunnings, five ninety the fan. Good, good, good morning. morning.